Blog Talk Radio. Mommy, I hear the baby crying. Help me, all the words she's implying. Where have I been while my world has been dying? Lord, teach me. Oh, 
All right. Well, welcome back to another edition of Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. I'll be your host tonight. If you need to call in, the call-in number is 619-638-8458. Also, you can check us out on blogtalkradio.com. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably tuned in, or you might be listening to an archive or by phone. You can check out our website at www.prayerinternational.org. You know none but Jesus. That song, actually, it was originally written, I think, by Darlene Check, which was a worship leader at Hillsong Church out in Australia years ago. And I still think she's connected there somewhere. But that song, None But Jesus, you know, just the words, and the chaos and the confusion, I know that you're sovereign still. Crucified to set me free. Live to bring you praise. There is no one else for me, none but Jesus. Is that your heart? Is that your heart cry? Is that what stirs you on the inside? You know, there's a lot of things that we deal with in this life that can dull us down, that can begin to dull that passion, dull that flame, put a coldness, a hardness in our hearts. You know, when we turn our eyes off of Jesus and we stop abiding in his presence, It's like taking a a branch of a tree and cutting it off from the tree. And as it lays there in the dirt, still at first with leaves on it, and maybe even fruit or whatever it's growing. But after a while, it begins to wither. The fruit begins to rot. The leaves begin to dry up. The branch begins to if you will all the sap all the life all the moisture is sucked right out of it why because it wasn't abiding it wasn't attached to it wasn't grafted into its source and its life source and the very thing that was nourishing and feeding it and strengthening it and growing it There was a breach, there was a separation, there was a detachment, a cutting off, cutting away, however you want to uh, label it, however you want to brand it, the bottom line is, is the branch is disconnected from the vine, disconnected from the tree and the roots, and there's no hope for it. Unless there's living water. Unless you can get that branch in living water and get it rooted again. There's no hope for it. And for many of us, throughout our walk, throughout our journey with Christ, we go through things in our life that harden us to the things of God. We go through things in our life that pull us away, bide for our time, bide for our attention and pull at us to get us so dulled down spiritually that we stop feeling the presence of the Lord. We stop receiving the leading and the guidance and the drawing. And it's not that God's not speaking necessarily. And there are times when God will silence his voice in your life. There are times when God will turn his ear away from your prayer, depending on the condition and the position and the situation in your life. But many times God is speaking, and many times God is answering, and many times God is trying to position us and lead us and bring us to a place where we can receive from him and be with him and enjoy and experience the life 
and the fruitfulness and the friendship and the fellowship and the things that God has for us in this life. But the cares of the world begin to draw our attention, the affections of the world, the things of the earth. Next thing you know, everything about Jesus begins to grow dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And you find yourself out of fellowship a little bit more. You find yourself out of the house of God or out of the place of prayer. Or maybe you're not connected to the presence of God anymore. The next thing you know, you're making different choices. You're going through circumstances. You're going through situations. And it's not that you don't go through situations even when you're right in the middle of the will of God. It's that when you're in the will of God and when you're in the place of God's blessing, God's carrying you and leading you and walking with you through it. But when you're out there running rampant, playing with the devil, running with people that are not wise counselors, running with people that are leading you astray from God or from the things of God or from the voice or the word of God, And we all go through this on different levels. We all do. Because we're people. We're human. Not that that excuses it or makes place in our lives to ignore God or to not carve out time or not consecrate our day or consecrate our morning or our night to have time with God, to have time with fellowship and with his presence and being led and filled with his word, being filled with his Holy Spirit. Because, see, we need that in our lives, and the enemy will try whatever he can to keep you out of alignment, keep you out of order, keep you out of position, keep you out of the blessing, keep you out of right relationship with God on some kind of level. It may be a circumstantial thing. It may be a spiritual thing, a, a mental thing. It may be a relationship thing or a friendship thing. Even a misunderstanding or a confusion or whatever the enemy can use to throw in the middle of the situation just to get you off track a little bit. That's why Jesus said, look, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep, they know me. Why? Because he says he's the good shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And my sheep, they know me. And my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they won't follow. And you've heard me say this a lot. Why? Because there's going to be voices. There's going to be ideas. There's going to be things that are competing with the voice of God in your life. And it's up to you to begin to discern your Master's voice, to discern your father's voice. Yeah. So who's got your heart? Who's got your attention? Who's got your affection? You know, God wants to raise up a generation of people that have a passion in their heart for him. But the problem is, is the enemy wants to raise up a generation of people that have such an ignorance to the things of God and are so inundated with the things of the world that they just roll right on into the trap like herded cattle, not even knowing that they're like sheep for the slaughter, right? And many of us have been right along with it. Unfortunately, God's merciful. God's good. The Lord is a good God. And if he wasn't a good God, he'd allow you to be carried away by the waters and and burned up by the fire not seeing you through and sometimes he blocks all of the options 
And everything we try to do humanly possible fails. So that God can say, look, it's about me. Get focused on me and watch. When you seek first my kingdom, all these things will be added to you. What are you lacking? What is, what is subtract? What are you minus in your life? What do you, what are you less in your life? What what has been taken away or subtracted from your life? And of course, God may strip things out of your life for your benefit. And a lot of times, the enemy does come into our lives and robs us of our spoils, robs us of our blessings. And let me tell you, if you'll seek first God's kingdom. God will show you how to recover it all. No matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how much you've sinned and fallen short, listen, if you'll turn and repent, it's why God says, look, if my people, Second Chronicles 714, here it is, if my people, if, 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 which means not everybody's going to do this, but if my people who are called by my name, not that God expects the people that are not called by his name to do this. People that are not called by the name of God are not expected to do this. God does not expect this. But if you're called by his name and you have an understanding and you have a relationship and you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to you, the church, See, you're the church. It's not the building. Well, let's go on down to the church now. Let's go on down to the building where the church meets. Let's go down to the building where the church meets. You know, we're his body. And if you're disconnected from the head, how many headless bodies have you seen functioning properly? You know, when you're walking down the street or you're at your place of work or you're wherever you're at, shopping, doing your thing, how many people have you seen walking around without heads? I mean, seriously, I've never in my life seen a person walk around without a head. And likewise, how many heads have you ever seen just kind of rolling around by themselves without a body? Usually they're attached to a body and the body is carrying it around. Listen, what, what am I saying? If you're disconnected from the head, your body's not going to function. You're not going to function properly. If you, Christian, are disconnected from Christ, the head of the church. And we can say head means authority or like a department head. Head means the one that's in charge or the one that spearheads, the one that leads. But Christ is the head of the body. He's not just the leader. He's the one that makes it function. He's the one that that makes it tick. And if you're disconnected from Christ, if you're that branch that's disconnected from the vine, you're going to wither up and dry up and you're not going to be any good except to be cast into the fire. And there comes a point in a person's life when they so get so disconnected and they're so far away from the vine and they're so far away from the living water that they can't seem to get their roots back. And they dry up. And they're no good. They're good to be trod underfoot and cast into a fire, God said. Turned into dust. Chafe, which the wind blows away. But not the trees of righteousness. Do you remember what we talked about the other day, Psalm 1? I want you to memorize this. I want you to get this in your spirits, not so you can run around and say, I know a book of the Bible. Praise God. A book. Or a chapter. Or a verse. It's not so you can boast. 
like the Pharisees did. Hey. And, you know, we can talk about standing on the Word of God. And I don't mean get your Bible out and stand on it. But I mean get it as an undergirded foundation inside of your heart where you actually build your life upon the promises and upon the values and upon the things that God teaches in his holy word so that when things in your life come along, you don't get shaken and blown away by every wind and every circumstance. Listen, God wants you to enjoy this life, but he puts some parameters around it so that you can stay preserved, so that you can make it. So let's get someone, I was thinking Joshua too, let's get someone for now. And if you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. If you know it, just quote it along with me. Or if you got your smartphone, pull up Bible Gateway, whatever you got. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That's verse 1. They said, look, there's a blessing that's upon the person that doesn't walk with ungodly counsel. Now, does it say that that doesn't hang out with them, period, or the one that doesn't hang out with their counsel? Listen, Jesus sat among sinners. Why? Because he was bringing life to them, but he didn't listen to their counsel. He didn't go along with their scornful ways. You don't you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, which means you don't take their advice. You don't stand in the path of sinners, which means you don't go the way that they're going. You don't go their direction. If you see somebody going to stab somebody, you don't jump in the car with them go for the joy ride. You don't go the direction of sinners because there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of it is death, and God doesn't want you in that direction. His pathway is a path of life. And he says, what else does he say here? Don't sit in their seat. Don't sit in the scornful seat. What does it mean to have a seat? It's it's a place. It's a position. And a lot of times judges have a seat. Leaders have a seat. CEOs, people that own, they have a seat. I have a seat on the stock exchange, or I have a seat in the whatever it is. They have a position, they have a say, they have a voice. And God's saying, don't don't sit around with those that have a voice and be scornful. Don't use your voice to scorn. Don't use your voice to to prod and and beat people down and scorn them. What is what does Paul say? Speak and talk that which is edifying to the building up. To the building up. Sometimes we need to just grow up. Sometimes we need to just grow up. It's about a mature walk. It's about being mature in Christ. And for many of us, we have gone too long being immature, acting like children, not being responsible for our lives, not giving God his rightful place in our lives. See, when things are out of order, 
things don't function properly. When things are cluttered up, it seems to slow things down. It, it, there, there's a slower pace. The rhythm changes when there's disorder. See, in God, there's a rhythm in his kingdom. There's a flow to it. Everything has a place. Everything has a season. Everything has a time. Everything has a name. Everything has an order. And it all functions and flows together. But see, unless you know your master, unless you know your creator, unless you realize what you're created for, unless you know what you're here to function, what 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 is your function? Most of us are used to people asking us what our malfunction is. Why? What's your major malfunction? Why? Why have we heard that throughout our lifetime? Why? Because we haven't been in our place where we function. God has a place for you to function. He has a people for you to function. He's got a purpose for you to function in. You've got to be in your place. You've got to be at peace with God. Why do you think before in Ephesians 6, when God talks about the spiritual armor, why do you think he spends the first five chapters putting everything in order? telling everybody to to get things in order, to get their relationships in order, all the way down from their husbands and wives, children and parents, bosses and servants, to God and people, talking about pastors and leadership. He, He puts everything in place from function to things going on on the inside of people, their character, their actions and behavior, their thought pattern, their relationships, and most importantly, their relationship with God. And then he says, now finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Take on, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the evil day. And when he says finally, that means, look, I've brought all these first five chapters to this conclusion. And this is what I was trying to get to, but you've got to do all this stuff first and then finally. Once you've done all this, then you can stand like a soldier, like a mature, strong soldier in the army of God that's been tested and tried and trained properly. And then you can put on your armor and go out into the battle and you can stand against the wiles of the enemy. King James says, the wiles of the devil. And if you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, the cunningness, the craftiness, the trickery, his schemes, Apostle Paul said, don't be ignorant. Today's version would be, don't be stupid. No, but be educated, be learned. Put on the mind of Christ Think about it. Consider the cost. Weigh it out. And maturely, rightly discern and make the right decision. Why? Because, see, God wants you to win. God wants you to succeed. He wants you to have a successful, blessed life, a fruitful life. Why why did he tell us, be fruitful and multiply? Go take dominion in the earth. Go enjoy the fruit of your labor. Why? Because he created us with purpose. He created us to have passion for him. See, think of Jesus not only as your Savior, not only as your Lord, but he was a prototype. He was a model. He was he was a first fruit offering, a son of God to show us how we're to live. How shall we then live? And it's to imitate Christ. To imitate Christ. 
The Bible says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. What does that mean? Find the people that are getting blessed and do what they do. Find the people that are connected to God and do what they do. Find the people in your life and around your life that walk and, and have an experience and encounter with the presence of the living God and do what they do. Am I telling you to copy everybody? Kind of. I'm not saying be fake about it. I'm not saying be cheesy or ingenuine about it. What I'm saying is we, we learn two ways. You either learn through mistakes, hopefully. It's for some people, no, you keep making them, or you don't learn. God knows many times I had to make many mistakes over before I learn. I'm sure there's many things I need to learn. But you either learn through mistakes or you learn and you mature and you grow through mentors. People that have gone before you and done things right and done things wrong and they can stop and tell you, hey, if you'll just think about it and don't don't do it this way. I did it this way and look what happened. Or hey, I did it this way and look what happened. You need people in your life that can give you both sides of the coin. You need to learn from mentors in your life. And, of course, your best, greatest mentor is going to be the Holy Spirit, comforter. In fact, John says, look, you don't need men to teach you. What he's saying is you don't need to be so dependent on people. It's not that we don't need teachers and people to encourage us and people to help educate us and train us and help build us up to do the things of God. Sure, we need that. But you don't need a man to teach you, to lead you, to to speak to you for God. Now, does God speak through people? Yes, because most people are so caught up in the world and so spiritually short-sighted and so spiritually deaf that they don't know when God's speaking to them. And so God has to bring mediators into their lives to point them to Christ, point them to God, point them to the Word, point them and get them to a place where they can hear God for themselves. And that's the job of a pastor, a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist, an apostle, even a pastor. It's not to make you codependent on them, but it's to cause you to get to a place where you can hear God yourself and fulfill his plans and purposes for your life. And if anybody's in your life that claims to be a leader, claims to be a mentor, claims to be a five-fold minister, and they're not bringing you or help leading you or encouraging you or at least telling you or pointing you in a direction to go and hear God for yourself, then they are falling short of what the Bible gives as their job description. And we'll get into that more in the next couple of days, next weeks. So God bless you. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would open up the eyes, open up the ears, open up the hearts of every person listening tonight and those that would listen later on. Father, speak to them. Show them Christ. Lead them by the Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Keep them from the schemes of the enemy. Help them to overcome the battles in their flesh. And Lord, help them, Lord God, to fulfill your desires and give them the desires of their hearts. Jesus' name. Well, this is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. We'll be back again in a few days. You have a blessed night. In Jesus' name. Amen.